You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church is located in Camas, Washington. You can find out more about us at www.axecamas.org. Check out our other sermons and podcasts. You can find them on iTunes Podcasts, SoundCloud, and our website. This sermon was preached by Pastor David Robinson, who is the teaching pastor at Axe Church. We hope you enjoy the sermon, and we hope that the Lord blesses you through it. Remember early on, the kids were little. I think David was like four. And I, and I said, when is a door, this is to children, when is a door not a door? And they said, when? I said, when it's a jar. And so David thought that was funny and could hardly wait till the next time we had company over. And they came over and he, he ran up to me and says, when is a door not a door? And they said, I don't know when. He says, when it's a can. I thought it was funny, you know, but they didn't quite get it. They're kind of looking at them. You know, here's the interesting thing. We hear, but sometimes we don't process because we don't understand fully what that's all about. So we fill in the blanks ourselves. And that is very true when it comes to end times. And people have been confused about this issue ever since almost the beginning. For instance, the apostles, as you read through the scripture, you'll see that they thought that Jesus was coming back during their lifetime. They believed that he was coming back immediately. And they kind of lived that life. In fact, the early church always used to say Maranatha. You've probably heard that term, Maranatha. Maranatha means Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And if you understand better how the whole scripture works, you'll understand that in what we call the Old Testament, there is information that is revealed in the New Testament. And there was a Messiah who was going to come to the earth. And so it's always been waiting for that coming Messiah, even in For instance, the Passover meal. They used to see an empty chair for the Elijah because Elijah has to come before the Messiah comes. And they're always looking for the Messiah to come. So when the church began, when Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to the earth, and it says that the Father had promised that he would send the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will give you or endue you with power. And that word dunamis in the scripture, that word power dunamis, meant miraculous power. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit came down and they were filled with power and they began witnessing, fulfilling what Jesus had said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But you also need to know That in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, God chose Abraham and his seed to be the chosen people. And that meant that he also decided to call them his wife. So God chose the people of Abraham's seed, to be his wife. 
And later on, after they had gone astray so many times and worshipped foreign gods, he called them an adulterous nation because he was to be their husband and they had made false gods their husband. They worshipped false gods instead of him. And so God does what he absolutely hates. He writes in scripture, I hate divorce. But you know what God does? He writes out a bill of divorcement against his wife. God divorces Israel. Here's a shocker. Most people say, you know, you can't divorce. It's totally wrong. But there is a righteous divorce. And that's when the other person is caught in continued, and that's, here's the word, continued adulteries. But here's the thing that God said. Though he divorces Israel, he says, I will win you back. I will woo you back. I will restore you unto me. And there's a whole picture of that in one of the books in the Old Testament, how the wife is an adulterous wife and is sent away and brought back. And so God has always had a restoration plan for Israel. Now, part of the, the thing that happened to Israel was it, as a nation, became null and void. And the people were scattered throughout the world, the Jews. And not only that, the salvation that came through Jesus Christ that was preached by Jews, all Jews at the beginning, it starts in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth, but first in Ju Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, they were all Jewish. It's not until chapter 10 of the book of Acts that we have Gentiles entering the church. God establishes his church, and he establishes his church as a bride for Jesus. Jesus' bride is the church. God's wife is Israel. I'll do that one more time. God had a wife named Israel. He divorces Israel. He's going to restore Israel. In the meantime, God gives the church to Jesus as a bride. And if you understand anything about Jewish theology, if you're in my class this morning, you learned this, Jewish uh, understanding of how they do things, it's a patriarchal society, and the father was in charge of the sons being married and who they got married to. Of course, the wife had plenty to do with that. Anybody who's married knows that the wife is the neck, and the neck turns the head, so... So it was a joint decision for sure. But they choose the spouse. And then they were engaged. And an engagement was the same thing as being married before they actually consummate the marriage. So if you were engaged and you wanted to break the engagement, you had to get a bill of divorcement for that. Very strong thing. So the church is the bride of Christ. And the way it would work is the father would say to the son, build on a room onto the house, and that's where you and your bride will live. And I'll let you know when the time is to go and get your bride. Then you remember Jesus saying this, let not your heart be troubled. You who believe in God also believe in me. 
For in my father's house is many rooms, and I go to prepare a room for you. That's exactly what the bridegroom did. He prepared a room for his bride. His bride is the church. And then it's not for the groom to know, nor for the bride to know when that's going to happen. So they waited in anticipation. And the ones who would be prepared for the wedding had to be prepared also. You had to have oil in your lamps. And there's a whole parable in the scripture about that. And so you never know when the bridegroom is coming. Only the father. Jesus says, it's not for me to know. But my father in heaven is the one who knows. He's the one who's going to send me for my bride. And Jesus is going to come down and gather his bride. They'll go up into heaven, and there'll be a marriage supper of the Lamb, written about in Revelation. God will marry the church and will have a new wife. But God's wife is still estranged because God hadn't fully restored her yet. But he's going to restore her. And so we have this time and period where you have God working with the Jewish people. They come to the place where they reject Jesus. He's crucified, buried, and rose again. Fifty days later, Pentecost begins, and the Holy Spirit comes down, and the church begins. And that church continues on until it's completed, and the pause button comes off, and the last week of the covenant that Daniel talks about of the 70 weeks occurs. That week is the seven years we call the Great Tribulation, the ending of the covenant with Israel for the eternity that's going to follow. So you have the church all the way to this point, Jesus comes and gathers his bride, takes him to heaven, and has a marriage up there. Meanwhile, there's things still happening on the earth because God's still dealing with his people. He's still in the process of restoring his people. And he's going to raise up 144,000 evangelists who are going to all the world and preach the gospel. 144,000 Pauls, as it were, spread out against against the world, to preach the gospel of who the Messiah really is. And many, many Jews will come during that restoration period. You'll find more about that in Romans chapter 9. So what is this time when Jesus gathers his church? How does he come for his church? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Well, I suppose I need to turn this on. The catching up. There are many views about what Paul calls the catching up of the church, when and what it is. This is where there's been lots and lots of confusion. May I say to you, a lot of the confusion lies in the fact that they don't have Jewish understanding of what a groom is and what a wife is. And God has a wife and Jesus has a bride. 
If they had that understanding, a lot of this would be cleared up right away, but they don't. So what happened was, as time went on, and Jesus didn't come back, like I said, they were expecting him in their lifetimes. And as the apostles were, were slowly but surely departing from the earth, and finally John, who writes the book revealing the story of how all things will end, John writes this book called Revelation, or the revealing of the end. And he dies out. He's the last apostle to die. And now the church has to deal with the fact that Jesus has not returned when they thought he was going to return. And so it calls into question everything that has to do with how things are going to end. And so they came up with this concept, which they call amillennialism, which means there's no literal thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. You see, in the book of Revelation, it says that Jesus will come down and he will reign on the earth for a thousand years, and his bride will rule with him. A thousand-year reign on the earth. So now, since Jesus hadn't returned, they're thinking, oh, well, everything must be symbolic, and it's not really literal. We're not going to take what it says in the scripture literally true anymore. There is no literal reign of Christ on the earth. For one thing, Israel had been decimated, and the uh, Jerusalem was taken by Titus, and they burned the city, and they didn't leave one stone on top of another in the temple, and just left the base there, just left the foundation, which is still there today. And so, if you're going to take literally the understanding of things, you have to have Jesus coming back to Jerusalem, entering the gates to establish his kingdom. Only there is no Jerusalem at that time. In the second, third century, Jerusalem didn't exist. In the fourth and fifth century, Jerusalem didn't exist. In the sixth and seventh century, Jerusalem didn't exist. Eighth and ninth century, Jerusalem did not exist. 10th, 11th century, do you, do you get the idea? It's not until the 20th century that Jerusalem exists. So for all those years, all they had was, it can't be literally true. How can there be an abomination of desolation where the Antichrist sits in the temple when there is no temple? There's no city. It's decimated. How can that be? So what do they do? They start filling in the blanks. <laughs> when is a door not a door? When it's a can. And that's exactly what they do. Well, it must be a can. Because it can't be a jar, because we don't understand what the jar is. We don't understand it, so we got to figure out something. we got to tell the people something about the return of Jesus Christ. Let's just come up with something that makes sense to us. And we're not talking about idiots that did this. We're talking about people that were extremely intelligent. There are many variations of this view, but they are basically known as amillennialism. Most of the adherents of this view are based on the ideas from Augustine's work, The City of God, who was a fourth century Christian theologian and philosopher. And his 
writings greatly influenced what we have today. So all last days, end times, were based on the influence from Augustine. Nothing is literal. It can't be. There is no Jerusalem. And you can understand as people begin to check that out, it made sense. There is no Jerusalem. So let's figure out something else. Now, how's this going to work? And they messed it up big time, royally. But you know something about tradition? Have you ever watched Fiddler on the Roof? Tradition! 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 Tradition is more important just about anything else. And in Catholicism, tradition is extremely important. Why? Because Catholics, Roman Catholicism came out of Jewish understanding. You see, in Jewish understanding, you had a high priest. In Catholicism, they have the Pope. And so you can't go, you know, with never, that's a new idea we never heard before. It's got to be heresy. You can't come up with a new idea on the end times or you're breaking tradition. And people were caught and locked. Caught and locked in that. Until 1948, when all of a sudden Israel exists as a nation. And the scripture had predicted such a thing would happen. In one day, they'll become a nation. And in one day, May 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation in one day, just as the scripture says. Whoa, guess what? God knows what he's doing. And if you look at all the prophecies regarding that, you'll see that he was going to restore Israel. Why? He's going to restore his wife. And he restores Israel. How does he restore Israel? Israel is a desolate place, a, a, an arid place, a, a place of nothing. Just sojourners going in and out. And today is one of the strongest nations on the face of the earth. That little country, that little tiny country produces more agriculture than it can handle and exports millions of dollars worth of agriculture every year. A place that grew nothing. Why? They came up with hydroponics. And I'm not going to go into that. You can look it up on the internet. But they learned how to grow things with, in a desert situation. Why? Because God made the desert bloom again. And what did they begin doing? They begin planting trees. And now where there were no trees, there's trees all over Israel. The nation bloomed again. All recorded in Scripture exactly as it said in Scripture. And what did God say in Scripture? Israel's his wife and he will restore her. That's all important to know. So this thing that happened skewed the view of end times from that point forward. Before that, they were expecting Jesus' return and a literal ending and a thousand-year reign. All right, so 
they came up with other ideas. Well, maybe, here's one of the views that came out of amillennialism in a way, that at the end of the seven years of tribulation, Jesus would return. He would return. Well, you know what? At the end of the tribulation period, Jesus will return. The problem is, Jesus gets married before he comes back. What Christians are going to pick up? They've already been taken out. They don't exist. They're gone at the end of the tribulation period. That one doesn't work. What did I say that one was? Post, that's right. Yeah, so resurrection of believers who have fallen asleep during the cure at the end of the age, at the end time. Doesn't work. Mid-tribulation holds that the rapture will occur at some point in the middle of Daniel's tribulation period. In other words, the tribulation period begins with birth pangs, so things begin to intensify, but they're not fully intensified until the point in time when the Antichrist sits in the temple, which will exist, and declares himself to be God. And the world buys into it, by the way. But that doesn't work either. And we'll come to a reason why later. Then there's the pre-tribulation rapture, return to Christ, which has the understanding of two, two events. First, the catching up of the church in the air. The second, the coming of Christ to earth to establish his kingdom for a thousand years. The second coming is when he comes to earth. The first event is the catching up of his church. That's not the second coming. That's the gathering of his wife, going to get his wife, before he comes to reign on earth with his wife. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 4 and talk about this now. The return of Jesus Christ in the clouds, the catch up of the rapture of his church, the tribulation period, defeat and destruction of unbelieving nations and ending with the battle of Armageddon. Third, the return of Jesus Christ to our Lord to reign on the earth. Those are the steps that are going to happen. First, Jesus is going to come in the clouds. That's what it says. He will come in the clouds and catch up his church, rise up his church. We call it the rapture. The word rapture never occurs in the Bible. The term is catching up. He brings up his church. Then the tribulation period. By the way, between one and two, there is no exact time of that occurrence. Jesus comes, picks up his church, and then we don't know how long it is before the tribulation period begins. This is really important because in all the charts that I've seen on end times chronology, they show Jesus coming and getting the church and then tribulation beginning. But it doesn't say that in Scripture. It doesn't say that's what happens. It just says he comes and catches his church, and then at some point in time, tribulation or the seven weeks begin. Interesting thought. And I think there's an acceleration of ungodliness 
after that which is restraining evil is taken out. In other words, when the church is here, we stand against evil and we stand for good. Take out the church and the influence and the Holy Spirit, and what are you left to? Man's own devices. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Does that exist currently? Absolutely. Even in the church, you hear people say, ah, that's your interpretation. I don't believe that. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to live by that. I'll do what's right in my own eyes. I will determine what I think is right and what's not right. When it comes to doctrine, I am the final person who decides that. That's going to cause a huge degeneration of the earth. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until the tribulation actually begins because that becomes the judgment of God upon the face of the earth. The judgment of God. And in this tribulation period is the last part of God's restoration of Israel. It's during the tribulation period that God completes his restoration of Israel. At the end of the tribulation period, God has his wife back. They have been restored. It's all going to happen. And it's going to be so obvious to the Jewish people who will have an understanding that's open to them through the Holy Spirit because they've had a blindness in part. That's what the scripture says. They've been blind in part until the time that God removes that blindness and they see God for who he is. And they return to him. They return to him. 144,000 evangelists preaching and those who have ears, let them hear. That will be those who have ears, spiritual ears, who will be his people. And he will have hardened the hearts of all those who have been rejecting him throughout time. He'll harden their hearts and they won't be able to hear. And there's a parable in the scripture about the rich man and Lazarus. And, and the rich man dies, Lazarus dies. And the rich man basically says, let me go back and tell my brothers the truth. Let me go back and tell them. And God says to him, they won't listen anyway. Even if I send somebody back from the dead, they won't listen because their hearts are hard. Even though I send somebody back from the dead, who was sent back from the dead? Jesus. They won't hear. It's not that the gospel won't be being preached. It's not that the invitation won't be there. It's people's hearts will be so hardened, they will reject it out of hand. That's old junk. We know that not. It's just a bunch of junk. And you see people's heart hardened. You can see it even today. The more times people are introduced to the gospel, and the more times they turn it down, the more their heart becomes hardened. And it comes to the point where they won't listen. They won't hear they won't. And by the time we get to this tribulation period, people's hearts will be so hard to God, they could not hear the truth, even if it hits them right in the face, and it will. Then the final battle, after Satan is loosed at the end of the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ, Satan is cast into a lake of fire. 
the great white throne judgment happens, the eternal furnace of the wicked, a new Jerusalem and a new heaven and a new earth, eternal life and reward of all who believe in the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the chronology. So let's get back to 1 Thessalonians. But I do not want you to be ignorant. What is, what is Paul saying? I don't want you to not know. I want you to be prepared, waiting, ready, understanding. I want you to be in the knowledge. I want to reveal the truth. I want to give you revelation. I love that. I love the fact that he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want to reveal, give you revelation about the last time. This is written before John writes the book of Revelation. But I want you to be in the know. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know. I want you to know. I don't want you to be like others who do not know. I want you to know. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. You understand this. Death is a physical death. We all are going to be in eternity. The question is, where are you going to spend eternity? In fact, you could ask somebody that question. You know, if we are eternal beings, and I believe we are, then we're all going to have to spend eternity somewhere. Where do you plan on spending eternity? There's really only two choices, not three. There's two choices, with God or without God. In heaven, with beauty, peace, joy, no sorrows, no tears, streets of gold, pearly gates, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous place where you live in total and complete joy and peace, having free reign to walk the new earth in its perfection. Or to be separated from God in total darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth forever. Those are the two choices. You see, Christians die physically. Their bodies, from dust we came, out of the dust of the earth, God breathed into man, and he made him a living soul, spirit. Breathed spirit into him. Breath was the spirit. Breathed into that dust, his spirit, and man became a living soul. And from that body, which will return to dust, means that there's still a soul and spirit. You're a spiritual creation because God said, let us make man in our image. And Jesus said, God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. We are a spirit. 
And so when the flesh dies and returns to the corruption it came from, the dust of the earth, we live on, which is referred to by Paul as waiting, as sleeping, as if we were sleeping, waiting for God to come wake us up. That's what that's all about. He doesn't want you to be ignorant about them, lest you sorrow. For even so, God will bring with him those who are asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord by no means will precede those who are asleep. Here's the order. If we happen to be here when Jesus comes for his church, we don't go up first. We have to wait our turn. By the way, it all happens within a twinkling of an eye. You don't have to wait long. But you know who raises first? Those who are asleep. We raise first, and then those of us who remain and are alive will be caught up to meet him in the air. We'll be caught up to meet him in the air. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet him in the, there's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. We're going to meet him in the air. We're not going to meet him on earth. We're not waiting. Can you imagine this? Jesus is coming down, touches earth, and he says, okay, meet me in the air. No, he's already down on earth to establish his kingdom. Once he comes to earth, it's done. He establishes his kingdom. He's here. The second coming, he comes down, and it's told in Scripture what's going to happen. He's going to come down to the Mount of Olives. He's going to go down into Jerusalem and establish his kingdom. There's no meeting him in the air. Some have said, well, maybe on the way down he gathers us up. Well, that was a quick trip. Up, boom. Make, make sense to you? The problem with that is, when does he marry us? He marries us in heaven. Can't marry us, get down to the earth, wait, we've got to go back up to heaven, have the marriage, and I'll come back a third time. It's not what the scripture says. It says that he will meet, we will meet him in the air. He'll catch up his bride, take us up into heaven for the marriage supper. The bride is to be watching and waiting. All those parables and all the teachings throughout Scripture say, watch and wait, be ready, for the bridegroom comes. And for those who are ignorant, they don't know when he's coming, so they, so they don't even try to be ready. But we're supposed to be ready. The question is, are you ready? If the bride comes tomorrow, are you ready? Here's another question to ask yourself. That'll really get you. What if you're someplace you oughtn't to be when he comes? next time you're doing a doozy of a sin, remember, he could come. Now, you're forgiven. Praise God for that, because we've all sinned, and we've all fallen short of God's glory. There's no question about that. But the question is, what will you be doing when he comes? 
He's coming. He's coming back to gather his bride. You are his bride, and he wants me to present you faultless and blameless. And so the scripture says, work for the night is coming when no one can work. And this, thus we shall always be with the Lord. Amen. At that point, when he comes and get us, we're through. We're done. We're always going to be with him. Praise God. There's no more tests, no more problems, no more nothing. We're with him. We're his bride. We now become his wife. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. But concerning those times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Why? For you yourselves know perfectly that a day of the Lord so comes as a thief in night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pangs upon a pregnant woman. Whoa. Where did you hear that before? The pangs that are part of the tribulation period. And they shall not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark. So that that day should overtake you as a thief. Yes, he's coming as a thief. But only to those who do not believe. Only to those who aren't watching and waiting. Only to those who haven't prepared to be the bride of Christ. They will be caught as a thief. Not you. You won't be caught. Why? Because I'm ready. I've been ready. I've even been practicing trying to lose a little bit of weight so I can. I I just don't want to take any chances, you know. Okay, overweight. We've got to wait for Dave just a minute. Come on, you can do it. I jest, of course. Dave is heavier than I am, and he's going, so. <laughs> I know, listen, he has far more weeks to take care of me than I do of him. I only get this chance once in a while, and probably a, a long while now. Who knows? But here's the point, people. Here's the point. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Jesus is coming. Are you doing what he asked? Now, a lot of us, not everybody, but a lot of us are procrastinating. You know what a procrastinator is? When you're given an assignment in school, you have till Monday to get it done. And it's only Friday, right? So uh, some, some people wait till Sunday night to finish. Some say, I'll get up early on Monday morning and finish. That's procrastination. God has given us something to do. That is, share the good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. Jesus loves you and invites you to join him in heaven, and it doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to become perfect God will take care of that if you'll just accept his invitation. Too many people out there think they have to be good enough to go to church. Not true. Had one guy, young guy, 16 years old, bawling in tears, just weeping so convulsively, wondering what's going on. And went over to talk to him, and he said, I want to go to heaven. I want to be with God, but I can't. And I said, what? Why not? He says, I'm a drug dealer. And the reason I came to this Bible study night 
is to recruit junior hires to sell drugs for me. God can't love me. I said, you know what? You got an awfully small God. God is greater than your sin. And grace is even greater. And he says, I will remember your sins no more as far as east is from west. I will remove them. And with tears, he accepted Jesus Christ. You know what he did? In the weeks that followed, he went to every one of the people that he recruited drugs to and tried to win them to Jesus. He went to every person he sold drugs to and tried to win them to Jesus. His life had been changed. And it was real. And it showed it was real. Because he went to share. I could go on and on. But time is away from us. My challenge to you is, renew again to yourselves the joy of salvation. Renew again to give what it was like to have your burdens lifted, to have your freedom from all the wrong you've done. Renew again that joy in your heart, and you will gladly offer that to others. Yeah, there'll be those who reject it. We know that. We know that. But that's not what God says. If you get rejected, stop. He says, go and preach the gospel. He didn't say that you had to win them. He just said, preach it. Let God win them. And when they come to Jesus, disciple them, nurture, care for them, lead them. Don't just drop them. That's what God's called us. Well, thanks for listening to that Acts Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, It really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us. Share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or through SoundCloud so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.